Welcome to the Dadass Podcast, the subpar, mediocre at best, podcast about being a new dad. Hey, hey, and welcome to the Dadass Podcast, the completely unscripted, unconventional new podcast about being a new dad and learning from dads who've been there and done that. And on this episode, I'm welcoming back the dude and also a very special guest, a man that we've had on our short list of dads that we've wanted to have, uh, the one and only Vaughn Bell, who is not only an amazing father of two beautiful young ladies, two daughters, but he is also a school board member, a, a board member of Leadership Westerville. He is also the featured speaker at our 2020 Martin Luther King's uh, breakfast, the 15th annual Martin Luther King Breakfast in Westerville, uh, Pastor Vaughn Bell. So welcome to the Dadass Podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Uh, not only are we excited to to have you a part of this today, I'm excited by your excitement for the dad joke that you're about to yeah, uh, share good. with us. Yeah. Well, you know, so, that, that that's a lot of pressure. I see I see the smile. I see the phone lit up. So we're, we're super excited. So hit us with your best shot. All okay. Right. You ready? I'm yes. ready. Let's okay. hear this. Yeah, okay, try this one. All right. Um, did you know the first French fries weren't actually cooked in France? Mm-mm. They were cooked in Greece. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah, that's I good. I like that yeah, one. Yeah, that is good. Oh, I um, I like that. Uh, do, you, do you remember, I forget when it was, but French fries, they were starting to call like freedom fries freedom at one fries. point. Yeah. I, I, yeah. French fries. <laughs> oh, you know what? Um, real quick, before we go anywhere, you know who has the best sweet potato fries? Who? Um, Flipside. Have you been Ooh, to Flipside yeah, at that's Easton? Good. Yeah. It's, it's like they actually just cut strips of a sweet potato and then put it in grease. It is absolutely delightful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know the only my only like rub with that though it, with Flipside in general. I mean, I love them. I'm not speaking poorly. It's that you have to buy everything a la carte. You have to like yeah. buy your burger and your fries. Yeah, who and wants that a, a like just charge me ten dollars for my burger and fries instead of like seven dollars and yeah. three dollars. I don't know. It's just a small minor gripe. Well, flip side, you have to go there for your sweet potato fries, even though it's like I think five bucks. But we split it. But anyway, that this episode is not about sweet potato fries. No, but that was not a good all. joke. I like that one. Yeah, and I like the excitement too, Vaughn. Is that a whole page of, of dad jokes? Oh, it's it's 400 bad dad <laughs> jokes. I love it. I love the commitment, too. I love it. That's yep. what that's what we love about the Dad-Ass Podcast. Yep. Just dads helping dads do dad, dad things. things. <laughs> so, I, I love it. And speaking of dad things, you're holding up a mocktail uh, for this episode. What are we drinking? Yeah, so it came to our attention that um, some of our listeners, all like three of them, um, may or may not um, drink alcohol for various reasons. Um, and so we wanted to sort of um, be supportive of that as well. And so we made a mocktail. And so we're actually drinking a um, shrub, which if you're not familiar with a shrub, a shrub is essentially um, a fruit syrup that you make. And then, um, and you know, like I, this was strawberry. So we cooked down some strawberries and a lot of sugar. Um, and then um, took that syrup, and then I actually cut it with um, vinegar. 
and so there's some tartness to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, I actually cut it with um, mango bal- mango balsamic vinegar. Um, and so then you mix those two things together up into a bottle, and then you end up pouring it into your glass with um, some club soda or tonic water. We did a little bit of both. And then I also uh, squeezed an entire lime yeah. in it. Shook it up. And, well, you shook the lime and the uh, the syrup together. And then you pour in your tonic water or your club soda, and there you go. Vaughn, you have a high school graduation coming up soon, don't you, in the next year? Next, or is it this year? Next year. You're, you're going to have to put this on the party list. The presentation's wonderful. I mean, this... Yeah, the presentation's this, great. This is great. Tastes that, wonderful. That's a lot of work for a drink. That's I mean, true, too. Yeah, it is a lot of work, but um, I don't do anything, like, the easy way ever, so, you know, it's fine. And I have, like, an abundance of time, especially at this time of, <laughs> of year. So, that's, you know, what else was I going to do? I was like, oh, I got a bunch of strawberries in the fridge. What can we do with it? So... Yeah, no, it is. It's a, it's a it's a lot up front, but it makes a lot of syrup. So then, once it's done, it's there and available. Now, is there an actual recipe to say so many parts this, so many? Yeah, parts yeah, yeah. That, so many I just don't have it memorized, so we'll um, we'll You'll post have to send it up. That to me. There's actually also um, black pepper in it as well. Hmm. Vaughn, you don't even, like the the jokes might be terrible, the conversation might be awful, but my contribution is going to be drinks and. If there is only one good part of this podcast, it will be the drinks. <laughs> I, I like to think the guests are a really good part too. The rest is mediocre. But well, yeah, right. the drinks, true. the drinks carry it. That's true. <laughs> now, um, in in particular, and, and especially with um, with everything that that is going on, I, I teed up that I I have known Vaughn, and I didn't realize this, and I was telling him this before we we uh, started recording. Ever since I joined the breakfast committee for the Martin Luther King um, breakfast in Westerville, um, I have served with you in some sort of community role for eight years now. So Vaughn and I go way back. And there's one, one thing that I want to make sure that I do uh, for Tuck and that I want to raise him to be a better man than me, mm-hmm. just like my dad strived, strived, strove, I'll just say worked. strive, worked very hard and prayed that I would be a better man than him. And that is that he is a more accepting, loving person of anyone and everyone. Mm-hmm. And in the work that we've done together and that I've learned working with Vaughn, um, made you the perfect person to bring onto the podcast, let alone just your leadership your stature as a community leader um, with the work that we've done and that you do, and uh, being a dad of two daughters made you the perfect person to have on this podcast. But sadly, with recent events, um, a timely person to come to the uh, podcast so that we could talk about how to have these difficult conversations at home Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's being picked up right now, but Tuck's in the background trying to have some sort of conversation right now. And that is probably the trend throughout homes and families throughout our whole country right now. And a perfect uh, podcast for episode for us to discuss how to have these uh, conversations and raising our children to be unbiased. And so that's, that's what we're here for today. 
Yeah. And also we, we had a, a talk to that. Um, we also felt like we had a, a, a platform, albeit a, not a sizable one, but um, some people are listening. And so, um, you know, we wanted to sort of use that as a helpful participation in all of this instead of sitting silently um, and pretending like it's not happening because it, it's happening and there has to be conversations and discussions and those sorts of things. Um, so, yeah. That's how we sort of landed. And I'm super excited to have the conversation, um, you know, and we'll just see sort of where it goes. Absolutely. And Vaughn, you and I, along with the committee, have had hours of interesting conversations of a whole whole slew of, of topics, but more importantly, all geared towards making us better people and hopefully bringing uh, positive change to those that, that we um, work with, deal with, um, and hopefully strive to lead our communities um, with side by side. And so um, I guess where, where to, to begin our discussion uh, on this episode more or less is you've helped to open my eyes and those that we serve with and I'm thinking of certain people right now, and I'm sure you're thinking of certain individuals too from our, our committee, um, about where where does that begin in our community level, but how do we bring that down to the smallest and youngest uh, level with, with our kids? And, and as your position as a pastor and a community leader, um, I think that's a great spot for us to kind of say, you know, when Tuck's a couple more months old, where do I start having a conversation? Well, I think you, you start the conversation by the way in which you live your life. Um, so the conversation starts before you ever open your mouth and say anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tuck is, you know, um, as, he is as he continues to grow and mature, um, he'll be able to understand what you say but more than what you say, he's always been watching what you do. And so as parents, oftentimes we forget that our kids are watching us. Yeah, they're listening too, but they're watching. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing how often our talk doesn't line up with and match our walk. Mm-hmm. So, much. so before you have to, before you say anything, just... No, you've been speaking all along. You just haven't had to use words. Um, I've, I've found myself when we watch the news, and he's only seven months old, so he doesn't know what I'm saying, but whenever there's a report that is something negative, whether it's a murder or how families have been affected by COVID-19 recently with the... Um, the discussions and the rallies uh, and the protests, um, I've tried to walk him through what's going on. And, of course, he just smiles at me. <laughs> Enjoy it while you can. <laughs> so I'm not prepared for that will change. When I start getting that really difficult question of why. Because mm-hmm. I know kids keep going. I've, I've heard from a lot of my friends that the response out of their kid, why? Mm-hmm. Why? And it's that simple. And I'm not prepared for that because then I'm like, well, I just gave you a perfect retort. That's why. 
<laughs> and that's on, on on a lot of dad things. I have about five pages of of dad topics that I want to um, to share with him. Um, but I know that's something that I hope continues, um, whether he starts to get it or not. But that that brings up a good point about walking the walk. I often think about that just on a church level, let alone having to bring that to just a uh, loving and kind uh, level for all. And I could see that probably being a lot of problems for people yelling things like if they're cut off and, you know, building those those anger behaviors, mm-hmm. um, which I'm sure is something that you can hit on a little bit more with your doctorate background. I'm or not a doctor. Master, almost doctorate level. And so um, I find one of the areas on an adult level, and I'm not sure how it will be on a kid level, and you have two daughters, so you definitely have the experience of handling this, but I see on the adult level, we get such big opinions on topics and discussions that we start to not get louder, but we start to not hear one another, and my fear as a dad is if I have questions from Tuck about why are people being this way, I want to not only be able to live what I want him to live out, to be that example, but also be able to have him think, well, just because we live one way doesn't mean everyone lives the same life that we have or Mm -hmm. have the same... um, opportunities that we have. And so that's that's an area where I won't fully understand, but I want him to know that he needs to consider that for everyone that we live with, work with, play with, and that we're surrounded because I think that's an area where we start to creep in the biases that allow kids younger, and you might have the science behind it, um, where the kids pick up those same beliefs that are indirectly being um, shared uh, by parents. Does that make sense? Yes. I'm all over the place. I think, I'm going to just be real with you. The words that I hear that come to mind when you're describing it is white privilege, if we're just being completely honest. Well, yeah, completely honest. Yeah, like just calling it what it is. Yeah. And letting and being honest about what it is and pretend not pretending like it doesn't exist not saying it should exist but that's the reality of sort of what it is um and i think actually i was having a discussion with my niece um last night and my nephew about it um who are in going into fifth and eighth grade um and saying hey you need to understand that like exactly what you said that it's not right or okay but there is a reality to sort of some of this and um you know i think i grew up during a time a well-intending but ultimately damaging time in my opinion and feel free to disagree where um we just sort of like glossed over everything and we were like everybody's the exact same and equal and um and totally sort of um, 
I think unintentionally, or maybe it was intentionally, I don't know, I was too young, um, sort of um, did damage to sort of like people's identity and culture by saying like, hey, it's the exact same. And then also pretend we got to sort of pretend like everything was okay. We just sort of put things, we're like, it's great. Like <laughs> we're all, we all have the sort of same opportunities. Um, and if I'm being honest, I don't know that that's actually sort of the case. And I think part of, in my opinion, one of the ways that you sort of deal, like start helping your children with that is by having honest conversations about, I don't know, Vaughn, maybe I'm like, maybe you're like, God, you're messing your niece and nephew up. Please don't say anything else. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so... So how comfortable are you all with real talk? We love it. Yeah, I'm down with it. That's okay. the only way I know with you, working yeah. with you. Yeah, no, I'm... This is real talk. We we weren't... I wasn't planning on fluff. I mean, we, I'm down with respectful real talk, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. mm-hmm. I asked just to get you on record um, as... You know, and you're okay. We love it. The way you shifted your body weight in the seat. Like, I was you. waiting for him to like, roll the sleeves up, too. Like, you're like... <laughs> Um, it, it's, it's, it's just interesting listening to white people talk about this. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because, um, what you described, um, the first thing that came to my mind was, well, when did you grow up? Um, because that's never been a, that's never been a reality in the world I live in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not even the conversation that we're all equal. We all have the same. Uh, no. I've never known that. I'm, right. I'll be 52 in a few weeks. Never known that. Right. Um, and so those are just some of the the truths that we have to deal with. Yeah. Uh, which is where where I think we are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, what's what's going on now? Um, what what happened a few weeks ago? Um, that has always been our experience with law enforcement. Mm-hmm. That's not a surprise to anybody except white people. Mm-hmm. And it's only a surprise to white people because you refuse to see it. Um, so uh, it's kind of like, well, welcome to the party. Uh, you're about 400 years late, but hey, yeah. glad you're here. Yeah. And that um, I know is one of one of the topics um, that we had discussed for a uh, community conversation that we've been holding that you've been leading uh, our committee on uh, in regards to sharing not just your own experience, but really opening my eyes and the eyes of those on the committee because we don't understand what you would have gone through. Uh, I'm, I'm, I almost said 32. How old am I? 34. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. There's a big difference. He's he's had too many of those. (laughs) Too too many. many, Would you call this the cactus? I I don't don't know. A shrub. The shrub. Yeah. But I grew up in the 90s with Disney movies where everything had a happy ending in a community where um, I didn't know anyone that was different than me except for when I played football. Um, and we only had, um, two guys that, um, 
I, Marcus and I forget, I forget Marcus and Reggie. Um, and we played football together, but outside of that, it wasn't until I went to boot camp that Hold I realized on. I'm going to pause this story a little yeah. bit. Um, he was a kicker just so that we're oh, all there. Yeah. Okay. okay. I was like, okay. wait, what did I say? Okay. Um, but it, it wasn't for me, the world, the world outside of the, the history. You considered yourself part of the team? Well, <laughs> A moment, a moment of panic. Like, did I say something? Oh God! I was like, no, I was a kicker. But I, I want to. Did you ever hit anybody? While on record, I had two tackles and was the second leading scorer. Yeah, yeah. I'll take another shrub, bartender. Yeah. Um, but the the long drawn out point I'm trying to make is, growing up in a small suburban community, I only knew what I learned in the history books. And so when I went to boot camp for the Coast Guard was the first time that I realized, holy hell, this isn't home. And that was the first time in my, my, my entire life that I realized how fortunate I was, but how unfortunate others were. And that was the first time in my heart and in my mind that I wanted to start to understand and learn from my classmates, my shipmates, where they're from, but also what I can do to try and make a difference so that others can have the same opportunities that I've that I've had. And I, I think one of the biggest things that, that I've tried to reflect on, pray on, and act on just in the last two weeks alone, but also since we've started our, our community conversations, is that when someone wants to share their opinion of what they're seeing on TV, just like you were saying, were you white people are usually like um, surprised. I'm now finding that that's, that's been my, my opportunity to say, this isn't new though. And that this is a conversation that a lot are only gonna have for two weeks and then sadly, that's my pu- fear. Push it back, and that's why this time I hope that we can continue that conversation and continue. And 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 I'm sure right now you're thinking that's what I've been hoping for my entire life. But that's just something that I've acted on in the last ten years of my life because it took that long in my life to open my eyes to how fortunate I was. And it started with the color of my skin. Um, and so I don't really know where to go from there. But that, that's one thing that I've, I've definitely reflected on through this is that a lot of people, like you said, are surprised. But that's not anything that, that is new. And, it, and, and hopefully this time it sticks with a lot more people and a lot more people start having these conversations and more than just rallies come out of it so that we can continue. And, and I think it starts with what we're doing right now in Westerville. And I think there's another um, a rally that's scheduled for, I think, um, later this week. Well, I, I don't know that, um, honestly, I don't buy the surprised, um, I was going to say excuse, but I'll say explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, it's, um, I think 
what we're experiencing now with the um, onset of everybody having one of these, um, holding up a cell phone, um, to capture video proof. Uh, Now you got to work a lot harder to deny. Yeah. And with cops having um, body cameras on, now you got to work harder um, to deny. Um, and you, you, we find ourselves at a point where the only way you can deny it now is to just flat out lie about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, there are just all kind of truths that, that we're finally saying, okay, yeah, maybe we do have to deal with this stuff. So, um, you know, it's true that, um, to be white in America means you don't have to learn about anybody else's experience. Mm-hmm. You don't have to understand. You don't even have to care what other people think about what's going on and how things are. Um, you just don't have to. So it was really interesting I, when I, I said that I was talking to my nephew and niece. Um, this was last night. And um, he said, I, 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 I used the term white privilege. Because I am firm believer that like we we need to be have like developmentally appropriate conversations with your kids and like stop pretending like it sort of doesn't exist. That's just where I sort of um, land with it. And so I was talking about this with him, and you could tell he was like sort of trying to think about it. And he just said, um, in his just like innocence of, chil- of of childhood, he said, "But I don't understand. That just feels normal." And I said, "Exactly. You don't." ever have to think about any of those sorts of things it's like the fact that it just feels normal that's that's what we're sort of talking about and I think for kids that's a really hard and adults too you know adults are grappling with this as well so then trying to figure out how do you sort of talk about it with kids and that's sort of I think my fear is um if you're an adult who doesn't know how to talk about it or isn't sure about all of it you know that sort of thing then you can sort of ignore it. And then what you end up doing is then you don't talk about it with your kid and then your kid never learns and then they become an adult. And like, there's this sort of cycle Mm -hmm. to it, right? Because it's, it's the, um, in my opinion, the icky, uncomfortable thing, right? And just to be honest, part of privilege is, Ooh, it's icky and uncomfortable now. So I don't want to talk about it. So I can just like pretend like it's, it's cool. Um, and just sort of flip the TV channel or, you know, like whatever that sort of is. And so I think that's what Robin D'Angelo has uh, termed in her book, White Fragility. Um, that's actually is the on outcome. my list to, to, to read. I'm going down to Florida um, this week or, you know, this week. And um, my wife and I are going to re- listen to that in the um, uh, in the car on the way down. So 18 hours. Good conversation, too. So, <laughs> good book. Good book. Yep. All right. Yep. And and what what were you what what did she say? That's what the silence produces. Oh, okay. It produces in white people this inability to have race conversations, um, and to um, it, it prevents you from developing the skills necessary to have an intelligent conversation about it. So, so the silence uh, does not even allow white people to develop the language mm-hmm. to have the conversation. 
Um, and <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and so um, what that silence uh, combined with privilege, um, it allows you an out. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't I don't want. Well, it's uncomfortable, so I don't want to talk about it. And since we're in charge, we don't have to talk about it. Right? Yeah. So you don't. Um, and so that's why um, silence is one of racism's um, most effective weapons. If, if you just don't talk about it, if we just pretend it doesn't exist, if we just say, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay, kumbaya. So as a kid who grew up in a middle upper class family, my parents, well intending, who, you know... Um, I'm not not speaking poorly about them. This was just, I think, the message that was generally sent. Everyone's the same, which is where it comes sort of back to, um, you know. And I'm not saying like my my parents didn't do that maliciously or not. I don't mean anything like that, especially because you know Debbie's one of our listeners. So um, <laughs> yeah, we can't aff- we can't offend our <laughs> don't, like. Don't anger her. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I, I I think my parents did a, a great job of. Uh, of sort of trying to explicitly sort of share um, to, to share, to make sure that I understood um, what not being racist looked like, that we were not um, like intentionally, right? Like the outward, like obvious, those sorts of things. Um, so you're but, not. So they wanted to make sure you weren't the Klansman, correct? But, or the skinhead, correct? But but then there was a whole other piece to it that never got addressed. And and truthfully, this is like a conversation. I'm sure after this airs, I will get to have with my parents because <laughs> I I don't want them to feel like I'm throwing them under the bus by any means. And maybe we did these things, and I was too young to sort of absorb them. I don't, you know, I I don't know. Um, but I feel like my sort of experience with it was that I didn't have start to have some of those realizations until I got a little bit sort of older where there's like this whole other sort of piece to it. it it's more that sort of privilege side and um, privilege has been in existence for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, Forever. Yeah. And I don't know, this is actually like a, I feel like I can't decide if the the concept, not the concept, but like the language surrounding privilege is relatively um, recent in like, I don't know, socially acceptable circle. Like, I feel like it's being being sp- talked about a little, a, a lot more. And maybe that's more the people that I'm surrounding myself with as an adult and like versus like being in a kid. So I can't decide if it if when if when you reached you know, your mid thirties, um, that if all of a sudden, like everyone started to notice some of these things, or if there is like a shift in discussion and time just based on like, because, you know, we're, we're now in 2020 and like that sort of thing. So I don't know if that idea is becoming more into light now, like in more recent time, or if it's just always been there. Does that make sense? That sort of question? I think it's both and not either or. Okay. It's not one thing, but a combination of several things. Um, also included on that list is the demographic shift that we're seeing in the country right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, white people are starting to get, starting to pay attention mm-hmm. um, because you have to. Mm-hmm. 
Um, uh, I'm the I serve on the board of education for Westerville City Schools. Uh, Westerville schools are 45 percent non-white. Um, that means that the old status quo in terms of curriculum and what's being taught and the way to do things not acceptable anymore because what that really means is you're leaving out almost half of the student population can't connect with what you're talking about. Um, so you're being forced. So part of it is white people, you're being forced to have this conversation. Now you can check out if you want to, but we're having a conversation anyway. Um, and, um, minority groups, um, across the board, um, not just African-Americans, but collectively um, minority groups um, have gotten to the place now to where we have uh, the numbers, um, the positions of authority Mm -hmm. to have a platform Mm -hmm. um, to force the conversation, Um, the economic power, the political power, the cultural power um, to say not having the conversation is not an option. Yeah. Uh, so. And you think that's where we're at now? I I think that's part of it. Yep. So do you think? And it, again, this is my sincere, not my hope at all. Do you think that this will be the flash in the pan conversation two weeks from now? You know, it'll be something else. Or do you think that this will be a, a more ongoing? Like I, I'm going to be honest, I'm pleasantly surprised that um, people continue to sort of. Um, protest and stand up and talk about these things. You know, we're now almost two weeks into all of it. Um, I honestly, my, and this is maybe just me being negative. <laughs> um, I, I figured that this would fizzle after about a week. Um, and not that I want that. And I, things will go back to yeah, the way they yeah, used to yep. be and we'll, we'll go on. Um, so I'm just curious if you think that there will be something different about now. I think the jury is still out. Okay. Um, I think, um, I think a lot of things. Um, okay, so how to, how to deal with that one. Um, I, I think this one it will be different. I okay. think this moment in history will be different. It's always difficult um, to be able to discern and decipher when you're living through um, – real history being made. Yeah. Um, I was talking to a dear friend of mine um, the other day, and I said, you know what? This must have been what it was like to live and be an adult or a young adult in the 60s, Hmm. where there's so much change that's happening, and sometimes change happened, and it happened quick. it's, It's like, no, it's not... It's not going to take 10 years for this to be changed. It's going to change right now, mm-hmm. and it'll never be the same. The world will never be the same again. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's what one—I think this moment is one of those moments. I hope so. Um, and so I also believe that part of a big reason why this moment is different from similar moments that we've had, you know, over the last 20 years, part of what makes this moment different— is COVID nineteen? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, keep, keep, keep going. Yeah. Well, the fact that we are now living in the age of a global pandemic mm-hmm. set the stage for what's happening now, mm-hmm. um, because 
Um, we're not going to work. Mm-hmm. So we're working from home. Everybody's at home. Schools are out. Daycares are closed. You can't go to the movies. You can't go to bars. You can't go to restaurants. You can't go to sporting events. Uh, really, we don't have anything to do right now. But you can get margaritas to go. You <laughs> you, 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 you can get your liquor to go. Yeah. <laughs> what a time to be alive. <laughs> um, but but that right. has set the stage because yeah. now... There's nothing else to divert your attention. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so the nation is now singularly focused on this issue and this topic. Yeah, it, I saw a thing that was talking about um, it, something uh, alluding to like the fact that people were at home and and not spending all this time at, at, at the office or, you know, at work or um, and it the pandemic has sort of. Um, on some level, on very on other levels, it has not equally hit all communities, as we know. Um, but in terms of like, you know, you might be somebody who's working from home, you have a desk job, but even if you're somebody who has like a retail job, very infrequently does something happen where the de- the guy who has a desk job and the person who has a retail job also end up at home together, right? And so the thing that was talking about was um, was actually that um the author and i can't remember who it was was basically saying that like they felt like it was almost part of that like sort of systemic plan of things to like it keeps people disengaged because you're just you're just going about your day right you're like well i got my own thing to do i got my own drone you know whatever that is um but now all of a sudden everyone's not distracted by movies or you know whatever going out to eat life life right. yeah. I mean you can't go to church you can't so so I think I said the jury is still out because the test will be what happens when things start opening back, back up again yeah yeah so when you can go to work um, when you have little league so when you have to um, go to work come home get the kids get them to little league get them to the dance recital get them to gymnastics get them to piano lessons uh, the theater club whatever the thing is so when when all of that stuff starts coming back into everyday life where is where will people's advocacy be mm-hmm. yeah where will the protesting be See, because right now you can go protest. You can go to a protest downtown, yeah. um, and you don't have to take off work to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the real test will be what happens What's when you have to take off work to go protest. Mm-hmm. What happens when you have to take off work to go be part of a rally? Um, and so we'll we'll see. And and so, um, and and it's kind of not not funny, but. The topic or the title of our breakfast earlier this year was uh, chaos or, commu- or community or chaos. Uh, where do we go from here? And who who would have thought we'd have a pen- pandemic and potential chaos there? You know, <laughs> if we thought right. it was chaos, then man, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Um, but it's it's um, and just hearing the conversation, and I, I wanted to bring up that I think COVID nineteen really brought a lot here because folks aren't at work. But also, everyone came together in different communities to support small businesses, to support initiatives, and hopefully that servant heart, that servant mindset stays true to not just helping the businesses, but eventually helping the injustices that we saw during COVID-19 
and now bringing it into these discussions about equality and and white privilege. Um, what I what I wanted to ask though, and in, in hearing this conversation, right, we understand what we're hearing right now, discussion wise, and and others are you know trying to understand. But how do we? Where do we begin that conversation in three months when Tuck's able to start talking? And that's been the thing weighing in my heart. And I'm by no means just trying to say, um, because you always give great advice anyway about anything that I've asked you in the last eight years. So I'm not asking for an answer, but where I've been praying and hoping and, and discerning is where, what are the right words? What are the right lessons? What are the right ways to begin that when he's nine months and ten months? I don't know. Do they talk at nine months? Do they talk at nine? You have. You have. I, I, I have no recollection. Right? They but, start talking, right, and then they don't stop. Because here's here's where, and that's it. I if there's one age, I know I brought this up in other episode, but if there's one age I want to be stuck with. Kid-wise, in a pandemic, it was this age. Yeah, you lucked out. Yeah. Because I didn't have to chase him. He couldn't talk back. And he cried because he was hungry, sleepy, or pooped himself. But and on a serious note, when we start having those teachable moments, when he is very, um, you know, what do they say? Their brains are like a sponge. Mm-hmm. Where to start with that? Because for me, I feel the history that I learned in school kept away all the horrific things that would have brought reality and truth to the historical lessons. Um, and I think we got a watered-down history lesson of the good and the bad and the ugly. We got a whitewashed version. That's that's a great way to put it, a whitewashed version. I, I, can't, I can't take credit for I that. Call it, I, I call it propaganda. Yeah. Um, history in K through 12 is not really designed to give you History is designed to give you a specific history mm-hmm. for the purpose of making you a good, loyal American. Yeah, yeah, mm. that's that's a good way to put it. See, so so we conveniently leave parts of the story out. And like Thomas Jefferson, okay, yes, he wrote the Declaration of Independence, right? So so nobody nobody says anything about the fact that he actually owned slaves while he's writing these words yeah. about freedom and liberty. Also, a giant lush. Did you know that? Um, big wine collector. Hmm. Wrote his own Bible. Didn't know that. I didn't know that. Wow. Where he, he actually went through the Bible and took parts out and constructed his own Bible. See, I told you there were like a thousand reasons why Vaughn had to be on here. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be yeah. a different different topic. <laughs> Can I just be honest with you? Yeah, I feel like we just need to resign. Like we should, we just call this the the, the Von Joe Von S. <laughs> yeah. The Von. Von no, that doesn't. Yeah, that, that sounds doesn't, negative. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> that, I don't know. That like, sounds really like, bad. Yeah. We'll come up with a better one. That we'll put that yeah. in beta. Yeah, yeah. Put that in the parking lot. <laughs> but to, to to talk about the the whitewash history though, we just watched. And when I mean we, I mean Tuck and I just watched through his bottle feedings um, a three part series on Grant on U- Ulysses S. Grant. And it showed the alcoholic depressed side. It showed the side where uh, his family was um, uh, in the Union and all about abolishing slavery, but married into a family that owned slaves. Um, but it hit topics that I didn't ever hear. For example, that um, 
freed slaves um, getting the, the, the opportunity to uh, fight for the Union, but then the harsh um, environment and tr- um, quick training and lackluster, terrible um, weaponry. And that was stuff, a nice way to put it, um, that wasn't taught. And so I'm not saying when he's nine months old, I want him to <laughs> see documentaries and hit the... the Let me show you I want to I wanna find what that appropriate equation is so at an earlier age he can learn these lessons to, one, be thankful for what, what we've been given, but also to make positive, lasting change in his heart, in his community, and anything that he goes off to do in the future. And, and so that's where, during all, all of this on TV, my mind goes a lot of different ways of things that I'm seeing with, with the protests. My main one that I keep telling him is, you will have to do something for this change, and Dad is trying really hard to help right now. And other than that, I'm going to just take notes anytime I'm in a planning meeting with you. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure, but... But, but also... Um, <laughs> the fate of my child that just weighs on whatever you say. <laughs> on Vaughn. No big deal. No, and, and you, know, you know, outside of what we're talking about right now, I really do take heavy weight and stock into what Vaughn says because of how powerful um, you've been through the years. I'll play um, that for my, for my daughters. Just that one sentence you just you, said. Well, I you, take heavy stock. I always ask you record. to, to yeah, edit just this. a couple <laughs> seconds. Yeah, we can take that out, too, if we need to. <laughs> but as... It could be my ringtone. <laughs> right? Every time I call you. <laughs> Matt, did I miss a call? Call me back. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, boom, it's right during dinner with your phone all the way up. But I think the big thing on a very small level right now for parents... I hope that they're feeling forced to have these conversations. Not all parents, the white parents, so that we can have conversations to better understand some of the things that you've shared today and things that you've shared in the past. Because if we don't open up to hearing this and learning this, we're just going to let another generation come, come through and all they're going to see is the bad on TV. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. You read talk books, yeah? Yeah. Mostly picture books? Yeah. How many of them feature a person of color? You know what? His favorite book is written by Mrs. Marley um, about uh, three little birds. Okay. Um, but Written by or features characters? Both. Okay. But that is probably his only book. So the the... You know, but that's a very good point. The person who deals with children and those sorts of things on a daily basis. That's um, a good and point, going though. back to what Vaughn said of like, um, you know, it, it's a it's more they're learning well before they're having any sort of intelligible conversation about things, right? Um, so I think if we're looking for like practical sort of things, and again, I can't speak for everyone. I'm just telling you my sort of opinion on this. Um, children should have uh, dolls, books. All sorts of things in a variety of sort of skin tones, colors. Buy a box of crayons. They actually make um, some people don't know this. They actually make skin tone um, crayons. Yeah, really. Yeah. Oh. Um, 
here's something that you may... We're not to that phase yet, but duly noted. Yeah, no. Um, and and we're, we're in the phase of everything goes in the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't realize that if the hand goes too far, he gags. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so crayons are not on the list. Yeah, yeah. But, but when he gets there, like, I think the answer to some of that is some of those sorts of things. Now, I also think you have to be really... Um, you have to be you have to purchase those toys with a critical eye. And here's why I say this, um, or those books, because those characters and I'm talking, uh, they should be a wide variety. You know, we've been talking mostly about black and white just to be blunt and honest, but you should have a, you know, a a wide variety of sort of, um, different backgrounds and things like that. Um, but make sure that, um, there's a black lawyer, and there is a, I, I, I don't know, you know, whatever, that, that we don't sort of, you can send, and this happens a lot. Um, next time you go to the store, if you go, or you get online and you're looking at like little like multi-packs of like toys and things like that, mm-hmm. um, pay really close attention, especially a lot of times they'll like advertise it as like culturally diverse or you know however you want to sort of like put it but if you look what they are actually are actually some of them can be very stereotyped versions Mm -hmm. right um so to just to be blunt like the trash man is an african-american guy the businessman is a white guy the doctor is maybe an asian guy right um and so making sure that there is representation of all of those sorts of things, I think, is a perfect way to start that conversation without ever having that conversation. Yeah. Right? But I think... And that one person isn't necessarily that job. Right. Or that job. Right. Yeah. Um, That's a good point. I haven't thought about that. Again, hand phase. Yeah. But Give I, him a mirror, he's happy. Yeah, but, but that goes down to like the books that you're reading right now. Yeah. Right? I actually heard you say um, you watched Disney. And you had, um, you know, a happy ending at the end. Mm-hmm. You watched Disney just like I did, and every single character looked like you and I. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, shoot, I think I don't know this f- as fact, so I could be completely wrong. Um, there was a. I'm not up on my Disney things. I'm still a dude, not an official human child dad. Um, the dogs don't really watch Disney. They're more into like animal planet, but, um, so I want to say that the, there's a Disney movie. It's set in Louisiana. Um, oh my gosh, I can't think of the name. Vaughn, do you know it? I should I'm, know it. I'm looking it up. You know what I'm talking about? I know. And, yes. and, um, it was the first. It, 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 okay. I thought it was the first. Yes. Um, and that was probably released in like 20. And so it was a big teens. deal. Yeah. Um, because there was finally a Disney movie with a character of color. Yes. That was black. Uh-huh. I think there was, well, there was Pocahontas. Well, but now we go back to stereotype. Correct, right? And that wasn't really the greatest, um, you know, sort of thing there. But um, in terms of, and that's just my opinion. I don't know if you think that's a good idea, Vaughn, or maybe you're like, I don't know. Um, um that's actually what I was going to say. Um, what the, that su- those suggestions you just made, because 
people always want, what can I do? What can I do? Mm -hmm. Well, right there, that's concrete. That's something you can do um, to raise a child um, that is um, self-aware, that um, is um, conscious of other people um, from different backgrounds, different races, um, and and is comfortable with that. Um, so uh, when when you got finished, that that was what I was going to say was, um, let's have a look at the books that mm. you're reading to Tuck now, um, the the picture books that you have that you show him. What kind of representation does that have, um, and reflect? What kind of artwork do mm-hmm. you have displayed throughout the house? Mm, I didn't think about that one. I haven't thought about that. I just painted walls, so nothing really. What kind of what kind of uh, what kind of what kind of baby dolls mm-hmm. uh, dolls are they playing with? What kind of action figures are they playing with? Um, and so that's that's an easy way, a, a beautiful, brilliant way. And it's also an easy way to introduce diversity without words, without words. Yeah. So as he gets older, he's already been seeing this yeah. for years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's but correct me if I'm wrong. That doesn't absolve you as a parent from having to have the uncomfortable conversation. Oh, what of already course exists, not. Right? E- yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But it's a much easier conversation to have because they have had at least some exposure. It, it's it's to. not a hundred percent. It's not new to them because they've at least been warmed up to someone that is different than what they look like. Yeah. Um, in in terms of in terms of conversations, um, and we'll kind of end on this. Just kind of looking at at time. Um, you gave three takeaways, and I didn't write them down in here. I'm putting you on the spot. At our um, at in your keynote at the breakfast back in January, <laughs> five years ago, before the pandemic <laughs> and, zo- and zombies. Remember what you said when, six months ago. Back when <laughs> I was allowed to shake your hand instead of ask you elbow fist, which one do you want? We elbowed today, right? When you're allowed to chicken like wing, right? The chicken wing. Um, Refresh my aging memory, what those three points were. They were powerful, and I remember them, and I'm embarrassed to not remember them, and I'm, I meant to ask you before we started so I wouldn't seem so ignorant. But there were, there were three points. Um, Putting you on the spot. So the, the theme was uh, the title of Dr. King's last book, uh, Where Do We Go From Here, Chaos or Community, um, that he wrote... Um, 1967, um, he left the country in order to do it, um, went to Jamaica, rented a house in Jamaica, him, his wife, and just a couple of other people, rented a little house, no telephone, because he needed to be totally uh, separated from all of the weight of the civil rights movement that was on his shoulders. He needed to be able to block that out in order to concentrate to write the book and finish it. Um, and, you know, at the time, polls indicated that uh, 70% of white people disapproved of him and the movement that he was leading. 
Uh, so near the end of his life, we have, um, we have um, whitewashed the truth about mm-hmm. Dr. King. Um, while he was, we love him now, um, but he is dead. He, he can't still speak to us now. Yeah. Um, but when he was alive near the end of his life, he wasn't, he wasn't this hero. Um, and so 70% of what the poll said of white Americans were not in favor of him and the civil rights movement. Um, and so he wrote, where do we go from here, chaos or community, in response to the white backlash, in response to the rise of the black power movement? Mm-hmm. Um, he, he wrote this book um, to um, solidify his faith and trust in peaceful, nonviolent uh, resistance. Um, and so... Uh, in January, I concluded there are three things that we have to do if we are going to um, choose community over chaos. Um, the first thing we have to do is raise our level of awareness um, in that um, the way you live, the experiences that you have had are not necessarily the experiences of other people. And so what we need to do is open ourselves up to learn about other people's experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and when, when we do that, a uh, couple of things we need to do. The first thing we need to do is we need to listen. So when somebody, so when an African-American is sharing with you that the pol- for where they come from, their experience, the police are not their friends. The police are not our friends. When they come in our community, they come in like an occupying force. They don't come in with this man in blue is a friend to you. No, that's a white thing. Um, so when I share that with you, listen to me. Um, hear me. And, and the second thing, believe me. Just because that's not how it happens in your neighborhood doesn't mean that's not how it happens elsewhere in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, And so second thing we need to do if we're going to choose community over chaos, uh, we have to have courage. Um, We have to have the courage um, to open our eyes and when we see something, say something. Uh, Law enforcement. Um, always, that, that's one of their mantras now in yeah. the post 9-11 era that we're living in over and over again. Law enforcement is saying, if you see something, say see. something. And we're like, yeah, that's true. That's true for us. It should also be true to you. Mm-hmm. So, so when you see something, you, you say something. something. See, you lose all credibility when you tell me to see something and say something to rattle my friends in the neighborhood, uh, but you won't tell on bad cops. So when you see something, say something. Um, And so what do we see? We see the uh, inequalities um, that exist um, in our community as it relates to COVID-19, how it has struck the African-American and other minority communities much worse, much harsher than it has white culture and white America. Um, We see with the uh, unemployment statistics and what's happening with unemployment, how that has hit minority communities tremendously harder than it has hit the the, the general white community. Uh, So these are inequities and inequalities that exist. So we see something, we got to say something. 
Um, and so we ha- so we have to have the courage to do just that. Yeah. And that's what we see unfolding in the community around us right now. Mm-hmm. Um, people are lifting up their voices and they're saying, no, 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 here's my experience. I see it and I'm going to say something. Yeah. Um, and then the third thing that we need to do is we need to take action. Um, it's not enough to just say, I'm not racist. Some of my best friends are, are black. Um, it's, <laughs> it's not enough to just say, um, you know, oh, I don't see color, um, mm. which is, please, don't. Both of the above, don't. don't White people, that. don't say that, <laughs> please. Um, well, yeah, that, I mean, that, I'm, I'm sure we could probably spend a whole other that's like, an, hour That's another that. episode. <laughs> um, it, 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 so it's not enough to just say you're not racist. You have to live the life of an anti-racist. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Ibram Kendi um, unfolds and gives some great advice in his book, How to Be an Anti-Racist. Um, and, and so you have to put that into action. Yeah. So essentially what that means is if you're not doing anything to dismantle the hierarchy of human value that exists in our culture, then you are complicit in upholding it. So it's not enough to just say, you know, yes, I'm, I think racism is wrong. I need you to live like an anti-racist then. Mm-hmm. Um, I need you to get involved in the cause in some way. Yeah. So that's what we can do. We can um, raise our level of awareness. We can be courageous. And if we see something, say something. And we have to put that into action. Amen. Wrong podcast. I'm about to take that down. Like church <laughs> church uh, uh, podcast. Um those are three amazing points, and, and, and I remembered your speech for a lot of reasons, and I'm sorry I couldn't remember the three, but I was like, God, we got to end with you recapping those three points because that is key, and hopefully that's something that I can instill in, in talk you can instill in your niece and nephew, niece and nephew, but also anyone else listening. Um, and, for, and for that, Vaughn, thank you for, for just having this conversation with us uh, on this episode. Uh, for giving us your time, because I know you serve on 15 committees, <laughs> 30 committees. Well, I just thank you guys for having me. Yeah. So, um, so when you blow up and you're real big, I'll be able to say, I remember him when. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll be like, and we remember when Vaughn was so good, he almost yeah. stole the podcast. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it it should have been him. It should have been him. <laughs> uh, but, but on a serious note, thank you. Um, I know we're not going to change the world Um one you know one hour podcast but maybe something that that you heard at home um from what was discussed today can help ease a conversation or open your heart to a conversation uh for that or to even have the confidence to speak up so thank you vaughn for for your time thank you for your awesome dad joke can i push back on something you just said Uh oh yeah um because i do believe you can change the world with one podcast this is this podcast, this episode will be like a pebble that you throw into the ocean that's gonna create a ripple effect. Somebody will hear it. That's yeah, and that's they'll true. start a conversation so. with somebody that will start a conversation with somebody that will start a conversation. Yeah. You have no idea how far that conversation will go, all because we sat around a table this afternoon 
in having yeah. conversations. I'd like to think that. I'd Absolutely. also like to point out, I think you have a lot more faith in the amount of people that listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> but it I, only takes it one. It only takes I, one, though, right? I gotta we say got, it takes one. We got one. I got to so say that it's with, a possibility. With, with you coming with the dad joke... With you coming and and throwing out that the pearl the little pearl of Thomas Jefferson writing his own vibe like I, we've, we're gonna have to bring him back at least another time yeah for sure with with those dad pearls there like yeah. I don't know dad pearls I don't know anyway with those dad truth bombs we're gonna have to like we're gonna we're gonna have to bring you back if we didn't scare you off or the low numbers of listeners don't turn you off. <laughs> it only takes one man. It, it only takes one episode to, to get ten people to yeah. listen. Yeah. Actually so, and um one of our listeners is probably not gonna listen because your mom's already here, so she's probably already heard it. So she's like, I don't yeah, need to she's listen. Like, I don't, I'm like, come on, mom, Spotify numbers, get them up. <laughs> but anyway, Vaughn, thank you so very much, June. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for a delicious mocktail. And um, for those of you that are listening, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook. Um, shoot us a, a private message. Shoot us an email on the dadasspodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, stay strong, dadass. <laughs>